present in this community, that you are here in this church, that this is your space where heaven is colliding with earth, that this belongs to you. And so all that belongs just on this earth, let us, let us loose our grips of it right now. And give us the words that we need to hear. In your name, amen. Thank you, worship team. I like them. I don't know about you guys. They're pretty phenomenal. All right, so we are starting a new series today uh, called Room. And, and we're talking about, are we making room for God and the things of God? That's, that's kind of our question here. So, like, this is a room. I don't know if you know that. This is a room. That's what's going on here. The things of becoming one who follows the heart of God, are, are we making room for those types of things? And uh, so it, it kind of comes from the idea of, like, junk drawers. Do you guys have a junk drawer in your house? How many people have one junk drawer? One junk drawer. Liar. You got more than one. You got more than one. You got one. He's got like 12. He's got a junk drawer of combs. I don't even understand why. <laughs> how, how many have more than three junk drawers in their house? My hand is up. I promise you. How many have a junk closet? Yes. How many have a junk room? Oh, confession. How about how many of us have a garage that's like a one or two car garage and you park in the driveway or the street because it has become a junk garage? Mr. Paul is coming to Jesus again right there. <laughs> how about storage facilities? I have a friend who has several. His house is real orderly, and then he's got, like, several storage facilities that could be storing, like, bodies. I don't know. It's just, like, decade. Like, this one is my 20s, and this one is my 30s. And just unsorted, it's the, like, I'm going to get to it someday kind of thing. I think we all know that a little bit, right? And I think, like, the physical idea of, like, junk drawers or spaces like that is a bit like our lives. Something comes up in our life, and we just set it aside. We, we, we just throw it to the side and deal with it later. This is, so I do have junk drawers, but then I have, like, on the top of my dresser, because apparently I'm too lazy to go to the drawer, I have a, a, a little bowl. Nikki found this and thought it was cute, gave it to me, which was a mistake. I put it on my dresser, and then everything just lands in it. And today I just picked it up and brought it here the way that it is, because it's confession, right? So in it are some pistachios. That, uh, that's healthy. Balaji, here, you're healthy. There's a screwdriver. There's some uh, Christmas candy. It's not real, so it doesn't rot. There we go. Um, here's my receipts from my contacts. Here's a picture of my wife when we got married. That, that's pretty sweet. Here's some batteries that I'm currently hiding from my children, and when I go home, I'll put somewhere else. <laughs> some receipts, some more tools. Oh, I was looking for this. Like, this thing my kids keep taking and hiding. Like, just random stuff 
ends up in here? Usually some coins from different countries that I've never traveled to. You know, you, I somehow end up with a coin from a country I've never been to, and I think that I should keep it um, and act like I went there. <laughs> and it just ends up in there. And that's like my, oh, I'm going to just sort that when I have a free moment. And there's never been a free moment where I've wanted to sort that. You know what I mean? Like, I have five minutes. I'm going to kick back, pour a ginger ale, and sort my bowl. That's never happened. <laughs> never. It's never happened in my life. It never will. Yet I'll keep filling bowls and drawers, and our lives look like that too. This series, we're going to talk about a few things that deserve their own space. Okay? That often we just pour into the junk drawer and say when we're a little bit older, when we've got a minute, we're going to sort this out. And reality is we will never do it unless we have to do it. And this is our series where we get to just say like, hey, it's internal cleaning month. And we're going we're gonna to sort this stuff out a little bit because some of these things deserve their own drawer. Some of them deserve their own room in our house. And as we start today... Uh, I'm going to ask you to just sit still in this for a second. Josh is going to come up, and he's going to do that thing that electric guitarists do that just sounds really nice and like ambiance And he's going to play for a second. That's my way of giving him instruction. <laughs> you like that? Almost subtle? And I'm going to pull up a, I'm not going to, someone's going to pull up a verse, Matthew 11. And I want you to read this for like two minutes. Maybe a minute and a half. Just what stands out to you? Breathe slowly and let God speak. What is he saying? Go ahead and write it down or think on it or what jumps out to you. is Jesus speaking and he says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden it's light This morning, we're going to talk about rest. But what does that do in you? What does that word do in you? Some of us are desperate for it. And we hear the word rest and we're like, please, I can't get there soon enough. And some of us don't believe it's for us. Some of us don't really know what that is. Some of us have heard of rest. We read this verse. I know that there are some of us who read this verse and we think that would be awesome if that was who Jesus is. Maybe that is who he was, but I don't know that he is that anymore. I don't know if that he does that anymore. This idea of rest or, or even, dare we say, Sabbath. We feel like that is Old Testament. That is gone. 
Like, we've got to hustle. We've got work to do. We've got way too much going on here. But this morning, we're looking at rest. Now, I know that some of us almost didn't come because we have things to do today. It's going to be a nice day, and yesterday we couldn't do lawn lawn work, but we can do it today. Some of us were a little bit late because we were trying to squeeze in that one extra chore, that one extra thing to do. There's so much to do, and then we're talking about rest that doesn't make sense. There's so much work. There, there's so, so much at work. There's so much at home. There's so much homework. There's so much, uh, like, we need to water plants, and we need to water our dishes, and we need to dry our clothes, and we need to dry our dishes, and we need to, like, do all of this stuff and everywhere we go there's more and more to do and then you finally lay your head down to rest and you look up and you see a bowl full of stuff you haven't sorted yet and your internal world just looks just like your external world so honestly that just keeps us moving faster because if I move fast enough from task to task I never really have to sort what's going on inside of me like like my allergic reaction to the idea of rest I think a lot of us have just become like like rest intolerant and we can't handle it and God says to rest and he commands that we rest you, you know this you go through God's commandments Deuteronomy 5 he says observe the Sabbath day keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, you give this day to the Lord your God. On it, you shall do, uh, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant or your female ser- servant may rest as you, as, as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We think like that is old. I don't have servants or ox or anything like that. That must not be for me. That must like I, I think we can write this off and say that Jesus just he died so we don't have to observe this. But it's just not true. And you look at the very end of this, he talks about our identity. And this is what we really need to see in in the idea of Sabbathing or in resting. He says, you used to be this, and now you're this. And anytime he says that in scripture, we we need to kind of wake up, right? So we're going to explore this rest and this idea of Sabbath. But first of all, I want to look at who is this said to? Who is Jesus talking to when he says, come to me, all who are weary? Who? Who is God speaking to here when he's giving the commandments? What type of people? Because honest, there's a class issue here. Our culture has a class issue, an income issue around this idea of rest. Our culture has relegated rest to the wealthy. And we say, if you have enough money to buy enough time, you can rest. And we're going to work really hard to get there. Now, I know some people who are very well off financially and and have some time that they could be resting. I'll tell you, they are not resting. The answer is not money. 
That's not really what this is about. And if we're honest, Jesus and Moses here are talking to wanderers and the enslaved and the overlooked and the people who don't have a home and the people who are worn out because they're oppressed and beaten down. And that is the audience of both of these messages. The people who are exhausted from life because they cannot continue as they are currently going are the ones that Jesus says, come to me. Remember, they are not Romans that he's talking to. They're Jewish people under a foreign authority that just a Roman could do whatever he wanted to them. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. He's speaking, God is speaking to the Israelites who had just left Egypt. They were making brick after brick after brick. They don't even know what they're making bricks for. And as soon as they complain, they got to go get more straw to make more bricks. And every single day is just a number, a quota of how many they're producing and how much they're producing. And that's all that life is about. How much can you produce? Not even how quality, not even what for, not even meaningful. Just make more and more and more and more. And that's all that this is about. That's who he's talking to. And he said, that's who you used to be, and now I delivered you out of that. Now, because of that, rest. Now, when we talk about that, you hear yourself. There's a lot of us who are just producing more and more and more, and we've lost the meaning of it, and we've forgotten what it's about, and we feel like tomorrow we just got to make more than today, and the next day just make more than that. And if we do that long enough, maybe, just maybe, we can make it. We take this idea of rest and of Sabbath, and we think maybe we can just store them up. I missed Sabbathing last week, so maybe I can just move it on and move it on and move it on, and then we just clump them all together as retirement at the end of our life. And like now I'm just going to retire and call that like a season of rest. I, I, I have three, my mother and two friends who have retired in the last like six months. You know what's really sad? None of them know how to rest. None of them know how to Sabbath. They're just like uh, two of the three have gone back to work. Same jobs. They just got rehired. And like, oh, goodness, that's good because I didn't know what to do. I'd work my whole life so I could retire, and then now I don't know how to retire. Work my whole life so I could rest and breathe and spend time with friends and family. And all my friends and family are just working. They're just producing more bricks. That's all we're doing. We take our one or two or four or six weeks of vacation and we go somewhere to escape. And we think that escape and Sabbath are the same. They're not, guys. They're not the same at all. There's value in vacationing. There's value in getting away. I, I think everybody needs to leave the city you are in and come back because you love it more once you come back. I think that's really important for people. I think young people need to be exposed to different cities and all this kind of stuff. But that is not Sabbath. That's travel. That's vacation. That's why whenever you go on vacation and come home, you say you need a vacation from your vacation. It's because it wasn't restful and it wasn't Sabbath. Vacation does not equal rest. Sabbath is not the same as not working. Sabbath and biblical rest are bigger than not working. Sabbath is worship. And this is something for everyone to learn. This is something for the oppressed, like who, who Jesus and Moses were speaking to. This is also something 
for those of us who, who have a lot, those of us who are in position of authority or of even position of oppressing. This is something for us to learn, that it is worship to Sabbath. He calls his people to leave this culture of making bricks, and God says, stop that and savor the life that you have and the God that you have. This is not some arbitrary rule where he's saying, now, just for 24 hours, like once a week, donate your time to God like it's like mayor's work a day kind of thing, serve a day kind of thing, anything like that. No, that's not it at all. We see Jesus says that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is, this is a gift to us to learn to rest in God. It gives us time to recognize where our worship is. Really, when you think about it, Sabbath rest is an act of defiance. This is what piqued my interest when I learned this. To rest in, a, in, a, in the way of Sabbath is an act of defiance. Jamel would like this. It's defiance because you're saying to the world, I'm not living by your way. You say produce more bricks and more bricks and more bricks and get smarter and smarter and smarter and all of these things. And I'm saying I'm not signing up for that system. I'm not living under that structure. I'm defiant to you, earth, because I belong to heaven. And heaven calls for something else. It calls for hard work. Uh, sometimes I laugh when it's the end of the day and someone's like, man, I'm really tired. Because I think if we went to work, we should be tired. That's what work does, right? Work makes you tired. And then you're tired so that you can sleep. And it's good if you sleep because your body needs that. And then you wake up and you work again. And that's kind of the rhythm. And then once a week, we are told that we are to rest in the Lord. Not just medicate on Netflix, but actually rest and actually Sabbath so that we know why that week was worth it. And then we go and engage and produce something meaningful and live as agents of heaven here on earth. It's not the same as kicking back, recharging, and napping. Maybe there's some napping involved. Maybe there's your feet are up as you're Sabbathing, but they are very different things. It is worship. It's actively letting these dying gods die so that the living God can live. It's these things that once defined us, like our, our work or our production or our ability to keep the house clean or whatever it is, our ability to juggle 50,000 things. It's to say, no, tiny little gods, I don't worship you anymore. Now, you were dead before I worshiped you, and now I'll let you die again. And now, living God, I don't quite know how to rest yet, but I trust that you can teach me. And so it's letting him live within us. It's the space to see him as our provider. Him as our sustainer, Him as our Lord. It's our place to find ourselves again. It's our place to find our God again. But here's my issue with it. It's true, I'm too busy. I, you guys know, I got five kids, and they are like gremlins. They seem to like, like multiply, and they, they have their friends over. I can't find them. The, my fridge is always open, all that kind of stuff, right? And it's funny because Nikki and I will talk and she says, I can't stand it when someone says you must be so busy because busy is like a good word culturally, but busy is a God culturally. And I've got every excuse to stay busy, right? 
You've got every excuse to say, stay busy. And it's so easy for us to be like, I don't have time to rest. But for me, it's not actually a time thing. I learned last year that there was something much deeper and something honestly more, more gross than just that I'm too busy. It's that I bought the line that I matter too much to rest. It's too important. I've got too much going on. We celebrate busyness and we get involved in all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I found myself about one year ago where I let busyness define me and make me somebody. And like, oh, I'm needed a couple places. I must be somebody. Last year we planted this church. And it felt like a whirlwind and it was fun and it was energizing and people all over the place. And, and there ended up being some travel that happened in the fall and, or in the spring. And I, I, I had committed to leading a trip to Ethiopia. And right after Ethiopia, I had like three different cities I needed to go to. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is too much. But man, it sounded awesome because these places needed me, right? So I went to Ethiopia. I remember half of the weight of my suitcase was books. Because I was like, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to lead this team, and I'm going to help my Ethiopian friends, and then I'm going to read everything, and I'm going to be awesome. And I'm going to come back fully recharged, because that happens when you're flying across the world, right? And I'm going to come back fully recharged and learning so much and leading awesome and ready to lead this church and like, ah, we're going to do this. I got it in me. I drank like five billion cups of coffee. And I remember the first night I get into my room and there's no electricity. So I'm like using the flashlight on my phone to read a book. And I started reading this book called Sabbath as Resistance. If you are a reader, write that down uh, if you want your life messed up. And I'm reading by flashlight, and I'm reading fast because i got a pile of books to get through, right? And I'm reading this book, and I realized I bought, I bought just garbage about myself. I'm going to read everything and do everything and go everywhere because maybe, just maybe, some people will need me if I do that. And maybe I'll become important and I can't rest because, well, now I've got stuff to do. And I let my calendar give me an identity. And into this extremely lifeless and neutral thing, I asked for significance and meaning. Just like we talked about last week. Calendars, they're just neutral, right? They are what they are. They serve us, they help us a little bit, stay organized, unless you ask it to be your God. And it will try to be your God, and it will just demand more of you. Make more bricks. Schedule more meetings. Do more and more and more until you have nothing left. And I'm sitting there by my flashlight on my phone, reading this book, feeling totally convicted that I have nothing. And we're only two months in on this church. I have nothing left. I have so much to learn. I have, I have so much that I need to do. My kids need me. I feel like I had all of a sudden, like, said that I would be in different places that I didn't have energy or space for, and I didn't even ask God, God, can I go in these directions? I just went because I felt like maybe I could be somebody. And I sat in my little room, and my phone died, and I'm just in the dark, kind of pathetic, hoping bugs don't eat me. I'm just feeling like, Lord, I'm sorry. You defined me. And I traded it out for a slightly busier schedule. 
you are my God. And, and I said, I'll, I'll take you plus some of this. And you invite me to rest. And I've got no space for rest, but I've also made myself just slightly too important for rest. And then his words come back. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. I know I'm not the only one who's ever done this, but I can tell you from me, who I am the one who did this just last year. I needed this so desperately. I was trying to do things for his kingdom like the earth does it. It's all for him, for the kingdom, but in earthly ways, right? And he calls me to rest, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have space. And I'm scared of who I am. If I'm resting, I have to come to grips with the depths of me, not the depths of what I'm doing, but just who am I? That was a really scary question to ask. So we get smarter and smarter about things, right? There's certain things that we know more about this year when they knew, knew last year and all that happens. And the things that you get smarter about are the things that you're learning about. I don't know if you know that. I'm drawing a correlation. Whatever you're learning about, you get smarter about that. Whatever you focus on, you, you get more intelligent. And so some of us have like doctoral degree level of intelligence on like in this room. Like we've got some teachers who are phenomenal teachers and, and can go into the culture of a classroom and provide learning opportunities for kids in, in ways that like districts should listen to. We've got some nonprofit people in this room who are brilliant. I, I got to go visit some people who were, who were doing, they were working within the church doing some like social enterprise and trying to care for people. And I was thinking of people in our church who are just good at, here's the gospel, here is your world, let me contextualize it and make sense of this for you. We've got some brilliant people in this room. And it's really hard when you're really good at something to be bad at something else. And I am really bad at rest. And I am really bad at Sabbath, and I'm commanded to do it. And so I just don't want to. I'm good at a couple other things. Just let me bang those drums that I'm good at. But there's a little bit of humility in just saying, okay, I'm going to learn this. You say that I need this. And so I'm going to learn to rest. So about a year ago, I said, I, I made a shift in my mind. Before that, I was like, I'm going to be good at Sabbath. I don't even know what that means. Like, what does it mean to be good at Sabbathing, right, or resting? How, how can you be good at that? I, I knew how to be bad at it, but I didn't know how to be good. And so I had to make a mental change and say, okay, for me, I win because I have to, like, this is the way that my mind works. I'm letting you into my world a little. I win if, if I try. Every week I'm setting aside time, and I'm going to try and learn to rest in Sabbath. And so I either pass or I fail every week. By do I set it aside and then do I observe it? Do I use that time? And all of a sudden, like, started to learn to Sabbath and started to experience God in the midst of this. But there's a question that we ask right away. This was the question that Nikki asked me as I started to take my day off and go from a day off to a Sabbath. She was like, whoa, whoa, what about all those things you have to get done? What about the things we have to get done? That's an honest question, the same one that I had. When will they get done? Well, reality is, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jewish people prepared for the Sabbath. 
So we probably need to prepare for this. If we want to take this serious, if we want to learn the gifts that come from rest, and if we want to make room for rest so that we can be present the rest of the week, then we probably need to prepare for the Sabbath. And you would know what that means in your context. Maybe that means making some food. Maybe that means making sure that your bills are paid the night before or something like that so you can't think of it and just sneak, sneak off into this space because it's not about the task of paying bills. It's all of a sudden you're back into like finance mind, right? Maybe you need to do some preparation. Maybe you bust out the vacuum cleaner or something like that. Just to ma- I make myself a space that is clean and orderly and I have my coffee cup that I like and that is my space where I can Sabbath, and that part of the house is clean. The rest of it, (laughs) but that part is clean. (laughs) And that gets to part of it. What, What happens with all that you have to get done? Honestly, it won't get done. I could give you like some fake church answers, but but the honest truth is all of it won't get done. But the beauty is as you learn to rest as worship, and as you learn to Sabbath as worship, then those things that are not done don't define you. And that is huge. The laundry that is not finished, that is is clean but in the basket at the end of your bed that takes you five minutes if you would do it but you just can't do it and you went and chose to Sabbath anyway, when you get back and you see that laundry, you know what's awesome? It is laundry. It's not failure. Those are vastly different things. I handle laundry all day. I can't handle failure at the end of my day. I can't take a shot to my core or to my identity. And so if the hours of your day are the home your life is lived in, then in those hours, make room. Make room. Don't let rest just be relegated to some like tiny little junk drawer that you'll get to someday. Make space for rest in your life. It is worship. So when we're talking about a time set aside for Sabbath, what specifically are we talking about? Let me make it as simple and as clear, like giving you a goal, okay? Next week, we're going to gather for worship again. And it, as we gather, let, let's, let's intend to Sabbath in between now and next week. Crazy, okay? We're going we're gonna to go by what Jesus said, and Sabbath is made for man. So if you, need to, if you don't have a full day that you can carve out, because I gave you no warning, get it. But here, go ahead and pull out your calendar right now, or your phone right now, as you're listening. Carve out time. There's a few of you in this church that I have said, hey, we're going to have an appointment, and I'm going to not show up to it. We're going to meet at a restaurant, and I'm not coming. Because I'm trying to carve out time for you. So pull out your agenda, your calendar, something like that, and find some time. Do this as, this is part of worship. What time can you give away to rest, to Sabbath? And then what do you actually do during that time? I'm going to make it really, really simple. Here's what you do. You delight. Take time to delight. Delight in God. Delight in his creation. Delight in his people and delight in the life and the interest that he specifically made for you. Sabbath will look vastly different for you than me because we're different people. And that's part of the beauty of it.
But the point is that we delight in this life that he gave us so we're not just brick making all day, every day. So what it looks like for me is I drop my kids off at school because that's a part of my life. I've got kids that go to school. So bring them to school and I pour myself a cup of coffee and I drink that coffee slower than I do any other cup during the week because I get to savor it. I'm not in some rush for caffeine. I just love the taste. So I drink it slow. And I put on some music that I love. I usually have a book or some scripture that I read through. Do I have a certain amount that I have to? No, I'm not putting a bunch of rules on this. So it's like pass fail. I am trying to delight and remember who God is. Delight in his creation. I have been known to go golfing on my Sabbath day as worship. It was with Jamel. We were, this was not holy. Like, we were losing balls. We were hitting crooked. But I was alive. The phone was thrown aside. Tasks were thrown aside. We weren't talking shop. We were some friends enjoying the life that God has gave us. I'm not talking about being really rigid on your life. I'm just saying if we go through life making brick after brick after brick, there will never be space in our life for anything. It is in these moments when we slow down and let God speak to us that we're transformed and that we're changed. And so as an act of worship, will you come here and worship? Carve out some time this week and worship and go learn. Maybe you bring a journal with you. Maybe you go to one of the beautiful parks in the city and you go for a walk and you go get lost because you can. Because your calendar and your clock don't own you. Maybe you bring a dear friend with you and ask them to speak into who you are. But find some time this week to delight. Psalm 23 says this as we're closing. You know this, but I want you to think of these verses in light of rest, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe in some of the Psalms, we watch rest come over David. And the reason I say that is because at the beginning, he's frantic. And by the end, he's praising God quite often. I believe we, we recognize him pouring his focus on God and delighting in God and letting God into the very moments that he is, but he's not running in that moment. He is still in that moment. In this psalm, he's still in the valley of the shadow of death, right? There's still enemies. Enemies aren't toppled yet. Opposition isn't gone. It doesn't have to be. He's seated at the table, feasting with his God, in the presence of the divine, in the middle of chaos. I believe this is a bit 
of heaven meeting earth right here. This space where we can rest and be secure in who God has spoken us to be and not defined by the enemies and the darkness and all of this stuff around, but instead being defined by the one who invites us to the table, the one who invites us to come to him because we are weary and he'll give us rest and he'll give us a yoke that's easy. The one who says, don't go make a bunch of bricks. In fact, you are so beat up. Let me daily drop manna and quail from heaven. He's the same God who invited you and me here today and invited us to the table. To go see that the the hard work, the heavy lifting that makes this possible has been done. Real honest, if we are worshiping a God that just demands more of us, then maybe we're a little off in the God that we worship. In just a moment, we're going to have counselors up kind of by the doors and on the sides of the stage. And some of us need rest so bad, we need to confess it to somebody else. We need to ask somebody to pray, even hold us accountable to begin to learn to rest. But some of us may find ourselves also in a space where we've just never really seen God as the God of rest. And this is a side of him that we just don't know and maybe we're even afraid of. And so I want to invite you to to come speak to some of the counselors. For every one of us, I want to invite you to the table to receive communion. To realize that this is the God that we serve. The one that in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of even being unaware of all that we are and all that he is, he invites us to come feast with him. Let me pray for us before we go there. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. So much of us is cluttered and thoughts aren't clear and our, our, our thinking on you doesn't quite make sense because we just don't slow down enough to do it. But we ask that you would that you would meet us here, that you would give us rest in this moment, but that you would make us a people who desire to rest and Sabbath in your presence, that that we might delight in you and realize that you delight in us, that, that we might find ourselves completely in you. I know that people here are weary, and they're weary from doing good, but will you take this good that we're doing and will you replace it with what you've asked of us? You give us rest in your name.